1: Folks, welcome to the Eric Metaxas Show, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There's never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com.
0: Welcome to the Eric Metaxas Show. It's a nutritious smoothie of creamy, fresh yogurt, vanilla protein powder, and a mushy banana. For your mind, drink it all down. It's nummy. I want vanilla. I want, I want vanilla. <laughs> uh, here comes Eric Metaxas.
1: Hey there, folks. Welcome. Uh, every now and again, I get particularly excited. For example, right now, uh, I get to introduce you, you being my audience. Uh, to Matthew Henry. Some of you think, oh, Matthew Henry. We, we know everything about Matthew Henry. He's a very big deal. Uh, and some of you haven't heard of Matthew Henry. As usual, I'm in the middle. I know just enough about Matthew Henry to know that I should know more about Matthew Henry. Matthew Henry was a 17th century theologian. Very, very big deal. Um, I've read almost nothing about him, so I was thrilled to find out that there's a brand new book called The Wisdom and Insight of Matthew Henry, Helping Modern Christians Strengthen Their Walk with God. Uh, The authors are Michael Wing and Victoria Junkins, and I'm joined now by Michael Wing. Welcome. Hi, Eric. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, Well, listen, uh, it's it's my uh, pleasure, honestly, because I love talking about these kinds of things. So for my audience and for me, Who was Matthew Henry? Because I know he's a big deal, but what
2: does that mean? Matthew Henry was a 17th century theologian, uh, largely self-taught, as there weren't what we have today, a lot of formal uh, theological seminaries. So he spent an enormous amount of time in the Word. And through that, he came out with uh, what is considered still today, one of the greatest biblical commentaries ever written. And so he offers a lot of profound insight.
1: When you say the word, there are people listening listen to this program who aren't familiar with our uh, Christian vocabulary. When you say Matthew Henry, this 17th century figure, spent a lot of time in the word, you mean, of course, the Bible. He spent a lot of time directly reading the Bible. And his commentary,
2: what is it, six volumes? It depends which version you have. Some of them are six volumes, and then there's a condensed version that's a, a massive tome uh, that's even well, hard to
1: carry. But, but I—, I I mean, Matthew Henry is famous essentially for this gigantic monumental masterpiece that he, he, he spent years and years and years writing what was, uh, you know, a definitive commentary of the Bible. And it was used by innumerable bold names that we would know uh, in the uh, uh, 18th and 19th centuries so he was hugely influential in the world of Christianity. I mean,
2: basically, that's, that's him in a nutshell, isn't it? In, in fact, the, the legacy of Matthew Henry, you know, we talk about coaching trees mm-hmm. uh, like Nick Saban and all the coaches that come from him. Well, Matthew Henry would have a similar tree within the theological family. of So many of the great theologians of the time would have Matthew Henry as almost their prerequisite. Verse by verse, book by book— just uh, an extensive uh, expose of the Bible. It it, uh, is just an amazing work that even to this day in the 21st century, I I would suggest, has not yet been equaled.
1: Well, um, so give us the background on who he was that led him to, you know, begin and complete this masterwork that that people are still reading today. If you want to know what the Bible says about this verse or that verse or this chapter, you know Matthew Henry is one of the places you go on the internet. Uh, you know, I have uh, been looking up a verse, and it, you know, takes me to what Matthew Henry had to say about it. Uh, you know, three or uh, four hundred years ago. It's it's extraordinary.
2: Three hundred. Well, the thing that's great about Matthew Henry is uh, I like to refer to as he helps you operationalize your faith. In other words there's no greater standard than the bible the, ba- the bible should always be the first and foremost source uh, matthew henry's motivation in doing his commentary was to make it real meaningful and relevant for people in their everyday life so that they'd be able to grow in their spiritual formation that they could read the bible have it be operationalized in their in their faith I- i'm a firm believer that he probably had something like colossians three seventeen in mind which says, "In all that you do, whether in word or deed, do unto the glory of God, not unto man. And Matthew Henry is almost like a great playbook. It's like a great game plan is, OK, how, how do I take the Bible and all its great wisdom? How do I operationalize it in my life and make a difference?
1: So w- what world did Matthew Henry come out of? In other words, what, 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 what was his upbringing that led him to this uh this This great enterprise of writing this monumental commentary on the scriptures and by the way, what year what, really what year did he begin work on it, and what year did he finish it?
2: Uh, he was writing in approximately sixteen hundred and forty and it took him almost all the rest of his life almost another thirty five years uh, to finish it it was, it was the work of his lifetime. He was a layperson, which I find very attractive. Uh, he was not an ivory tower guy that uh, that all he did was uh, work in theological circles. Uh, He was a layperson that found the Bible to be the greatest work ever produced. And he was committed, one, to grow stronger in his walk with the Lord, and two, to try and help people understand almost back from the Reformation days, when Martin Luther said, it's only the scripture, put the scripture in people's hands, let people read the Bible. And Matthew Henry really believed strongly in that. And he felt not only are we are gonna put the word, the Bible in their hands, we're gonna help them understand it. My word, not his, we're gonna help them operationalize it. So it's meaningful on a daily, daily basis. And that's what Matthew Henry was so famous for, is that he'd be able to take the, the scriptures of the Bible and make it so that it was compelling, motivating, so that people would say, wow, I really get that. I really understand that. I'm now going to operationalize that into my life and make a difference for Christ. So um,
1: I, I want to ask uh, again, what what was it that led him to decide to, to, you know, to, to, to do this work? It's one thing to have an intention or an idea, but to actually do it. Um, how was he raised? Where was he in life that he was able to afford uh, to spend this kind of time in the scriptures and commenting on the scriptures? What, what is his biography, roughly?
2: His parents were, uh, and of course, women at the time did not work. So his mom stayed at his home. His dad was a tradesman. Uh, and he did work. He did not. Uh, he was almost like the Apostle Paul. Paul was a tent maker and also a great evangelist. Matthew Henry had to work. Uh, He did not have uh, the means by which he could take time off. So he's working uh, basically as a tradesman in his father's footsteps and then also working on developing the commentary. What kind of a tradesman? uh, He was doing blacksmith type work. Blacksmith uh, type work.
1: That's that's not what I would have expected. You know what I'm saying? I I picture him uh, sitting in a study as a scholar, but but he was. He was actually working uh, as, a, as a smith, you're telling me, and then on the
2: side that, when he had time working on this commentary. Wow. That, and then he also did some teaching. The thing in his private papers, which were intriguing to read, is that he felt that if people truly understood the power and the significance of the Bible, their lives would be transformed. So his feeling was, I have got to help people understand. It's been transformative in my life, he said. I need to help it be transformative in other people's lives. I think he would be extraordinarily humbled and, and of course, give God the glory that here it is in 2024 and his extensive work on the Bible in his commentary is still touching lives and still helping people with their spiritual formation.
1: It's it's utterly definitive, folks. In case again, you're not familiar with Matthew Henry, his commentary on the Bible is definitive. It is absolutely definitive. You want to know what the Bible says about on some some verse, or you want some clarity? Matthew Henry is one of the first places uh, that most people would go today. This is 300 plus years uh, after he, he he worked on it. So, um, just a uh, less than a minute left in this segment, Michael Wing. What led you? Uh, to join Victoria Junkins in writing this book about Matthew Henry?
2: Well, I, I love biographies. And so Matthew Henry's biography I read, and I thought, wow, what, a, what an amazing impact the Bible had on his life. And so I went through and, and spent literally eight years going through Matthew Henry's uh, commentary in a very studious manner. And I, I had a similar response. I thought, wow, if, if people would know that Wisdom and in the Insight, thus the title— of Matthew Henry. I mean, you, you open up the book that we've put together and literally any page, somebody will open it up and say, wow, that, that's amazing. That's, that's fantastic insight. We're going to uh,
1: be right back. I'm talking to Michael Wing, uh, who is the author of, with Victoria Junkins of The Wisdom and Insight of Matthew Henry. For more than 10 years, Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian conservative wireless provider standing behind their values and their exceptional service. They are an example of putting the cause ahead of profits, and it's why I am proud to partner with them. Starting today, Patriot Mobile is extending their Black Friday deal to the Every Friday Matters deal, and you can get a free smartphone when you switch today. Patriot Mobile offers dependable nationwide coverage, giving you access to all three major networks, which means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to without funding the left. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're supposed Supporting free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, our veterans and first responders, and more. Their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Keep your number, keep your existing phone, or for a limited time, get a free smartphone from Patriot Mobile. Go to patriotmobile.com slash metaxas or call 972-PATRIOT and use promo code FRIDAY76. Again, get a free smartphone with promo code FRIDAY76. This is a limited time offer. Join me. Make the switch today. Patriotmobile.com slash metaxas or call 972-PATRIOT. Legacy Precious Metals has a revolutionary new online platform that allows you to invest in real gold and silver online. In a few of these steps, you can open an account online, select your metals of choice, and choose to have them stored in a vault or shipped to your door. You have access to a dashboard where you can track your portfolio growth in real time, anytime. You'll see transparent pricing on each coin and bar. This puts you in complete control of your money. The platform is free to sign up for. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com and open your account and see this new investing platform for yourself. Gold hedges against inflation and against a volatile stock market. A true diversified portfolio isn't just more stocks and bonds, but different asset classes. This new platform allows you to make investments in gold and silver, no matter how small or large, with a few clicks. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com to get started. You're going to love this free new tool they've added, LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Check it out. Folks, welcome back. We're talking about the great uh, 17th century theologian, um, Matthew Henry. Uh, I have as my guest, Michael Wing, who with Victoria Junkins has written a book called The Wisdom and Insight of Matthew Henry. Um, so, Michael, just a, just a moment ago, I was asking when he was working on this and you told me off the air that you misspoke. So, so he was born in 1662, you said, and died in 1714. Um, so obviously he worked on this book late, uh, in the 17th century. Do we, do we have a sense of how long, how many years he spent working on this? It was almost 30 years.
2: It was definitely a significant part of his life. I would say so he started in his, in his early twenties. Um, and you know, he died when he was 52, life expectancy being a lot shorter now then than it was now. So you had to hurry up and write. Um, so here
1: you have a man whose uh, multi-volume work, uh, Commentary on the Bible, is with us today. It's significant. People are consulting it. While we're having this conversation, people are online reading what Matthew Henry had to say. Um, I, I'm trying to think of the world uh, in which he lived. When, when we think about the latter part um, of, the, of the 17th century, um, what what would have people at that time been using? In other words, what commentaries did he have available to him? Um, I- I'm just curious because it's, it's just hard to imagine somebody saying, you know what, we need a multi-volume, uh, d- definitive commentary on the Bible, and I'm, I'm going to do it. It's just an, it's just an extraordinary thing that history— uh, gives us these figures that God gives us these figures in history.
2: Well, the, in- the interesting thing was is uh, keep in mind the Reformation had just been a hundred years prior. So one of the primary things of the Reformation was trying to get the, the Bible into people's hands. Prior to that, it was largely only conveyed to them through the priest in the Catholic Church. So to your question of other comment, it's not like today we can go to a bookstore and find any number of of commentaries either on a book of the Bible or on the Bible itself. So he was really almost like the Apostle Paul. He, he had his uh, tradesman's work. He was a non-conformist minister like we would call today, like a non-denominational minister. He was trying to, at the same time that he was trying to minister to people, he was trying to come up with the insight. Uh, the whole volume set was not published until after his death. So he was sharing with people as he was writing. And then outside in his personal writings, he never expected it to be, obviously, the, the monumental work that it was. So he was trying to write so he could teach, preach, and then it started to be compiled by people as it went on. After his death, it uh, was when the first six-volume set was actually published. After his death, wow. Did he publish the first yes. several
1: volumes before his death, or was it all— uh, lying fallow until he died?
2: Well, the volumes probably was not the word that I would use. It would be his writings. Uh, they would be writings, kind of like loose papers that were compiled together. Uh, volume is the terminology probably not used until well after uh, he had died. But he had lots and lots of papers organized by book of the Bible. And his approach was he just started from the beginning. Uh, he started from Genesis and worked all the way through till he finished in Revelation. Uh, just unbelievable.
1: So I, I may have asked you this, but I, want to go back. What, what led you, uh, Michael Wing, uh, to, to, to decide I need to write a book about this and and tell us who is Victoria Junkins and how is it that you came to collaborate with her on this book about Matthew Henry?
2: Uh, first part of your question, uh, I've been blessed over my career. I'm a lawyer. I've been a long time corporate CEO of of different companies. And the Bible had always been a big part of my adult life. My my faith had always been important to me. And during my quiet times, I came across Matthew Henry. And seeing the big impact that he had in my life, I thought, wow, I'd like to write a book that distills all the nuggets, the pearls of wisdom uh, from Matthew Henry. Uh, to give that same benefit uh, to other people uh, that would like to grow in their spiritual walk with the Lord. Uh, Victoria Junkins is uh, a former uh, high-tech manager, uh, MBA, Notre Dame grad, uh, very well-spoken, involved in lots of uh, uh, diversity work, and uh, she shares the same type of passion and love uh, for God, so it was great to have her perspective as we worked through and we edited and we put this together. So instead of it being a singular focus on my part, it was collaborative. And, and indeed, I think it was a much better product as a result of, of the collaborative work with somebody of her intellect and her insight.
1: So w- what are some of the, uh, you know, the title of your book is The Wisdom and Insight of Matthew Henry. Um, w- w- what are some of the things that that strike you, that observations that he made? In other words, I'm I'm guessing that when he was working in the latter part of the 17th century, there were observations that he made on Scripture verses that no one had made before Matthew Henry that are with us to this day. That, that our interpretation, when we read a Scripture verse, it brings to mind this or this or this, that some of those observations, initial observations, originated with Matthew Henry. Can you think of any, anything like that?
2: I think the, the thing is important. A great question on your part is that the the scene and the setting when Matthew Henry wrote was uh, England was a tough time to live. I mean, unless you were in the upper crust of society, it, it was it was very tough. So a lot of his insight, uh, for example, one thing that comes to mind, he says, it's sad to think how many go away from sermons with the word of grace in their ears, but not the work of grace in their hearts. Wow. You know, how, how many times? Uh, are we uh, Sunday Christians, but not necessarily Monday through Saturday? And, and that's where I like the word operationalizes, because Matthew Henry, I think, helps us operationalize our faith Monday through Saturday. Um, another one, when we experience God's bounty to us, this should make us bountiful to the poor. I, I can't read a lot of Matthew Henry without thinking of Matthew twenty five forty, where Jesus admonished people to say, as you take care of the least of these is is how you treat me and take care of me. It was not a suggestion, it was an admonition to take care of the least of these. Uh, Another one, he said, divine grace can conquer the greatest ignorance and prejudice. Uh, I've done a lot of trips overseas on on mission trips and I'm always amazed at people many times that have almost nothing, but they have this exuberant faith and and this amazing uh, simplicity of their faith and, and manifestations of grace. That I think shows how powerful the Bible can be. Uh, another one comes to mind, God multiplies his pardon, and so should we. Now, our society tends to be very judgmental. And wow, what happened to grace? You know, what, what happened to us being uh, manifesting grace to other people? And the, the beauty of that is our faith over, overcomes uh, differences. Our faith should be that, wow, whoever they are, maybe but by the grace of God go I. Uh, and, and that mentality that approach tends to be uh i think conspicuously absent. Another phrase he says is true humanity is good divinity you know, if if we're if we're good practitioners of our faith, uh people should see that there there should be a transformative effect on our life and in the lives of other people uh, now i've spent a good amount of time in Washington, as have you, and I had a good friend one time he, he was on the Secret service, and he said, "You know Mike, what I hope is is that uh We're not secret service Christians. And what he meant by that, and he shared an an interesting uh, scenario, he says, what what if a law was passed that said it was a crime to be a Christian? Would there be enough evidence in the manifestations of your life that would allow you to be, or somebody to be uh, arrested for being a Christian? And, you know, that's amazing. I think there's a lot of folks uh, that, for whatever reason, the faith is not manifest in how we act, how we treat people, uh, how how we do things. And, you know, I think our hope, my hope, uh, your hope would be that our lives are manifestations of of God, manifestations of, of Christ and how we act, how we talk, how we treat people. Matthew Henry helps operationalize that. It's
1: interesting. I mean, you, you wouldn't know this, but you're singing my song because uh, I just uh, came out with a book this last year called Letter to the American Church, which is essentially about this, uh, and it is, uh, it takes its cue from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who his phrase was faith in action. If your faith is not faith in action, perhaps you have no faith. And so you have so many Christians because of Luther thinking it's about faith. It's about faith. It's about faith. Yeah, it is. Do you have faith? And a lot of people kind of act as though faith is this enlightenment, rationalist, theological assent. It's not. You have to actually live it out. You have to actually show evidence that you believe what you claim to believe. And Bonhoeffer was always talking about faith in action, not just uh, the assent to some theological ideas, and um, obviously the scripture mm. says faith without works is dead, and so it is always exactly. about living what the Bible says, not just knowing it uh, intellectually. Otherwise, you can be like a, a Pharisee who rejects Jesus, but you know the Bible real well. Um, we're talking about Matthew Henry the Great. Um, very great uh, 17th century theologian. We'll be right back. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful at lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question just the other night. I was asked that question. Well, the owners of Relief Factor tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal. And I agree with them. And the doctors who formulated Relief Factor for them selected the four best ingredients. Yes, 100% drug-free ingredients. And each one of them helps your body deal with inflammation. Each of the four ingredients deals with inflammation from a different metabolic pathway. That's the point. So approaching from four different angles may be why so many people find such wonderful relief. If you've got back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or just getting older, you should order the three-week quick start discounted to only 1995 to see if it'll work for you. It has worked for about 70% of the half a million people who've tried it and have ordered more. I'm one of them. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800 for relief to find out about this offer. Feel the difference. Hey, this is Eric Metaxas. For years, I've told you about Nutramedics, a professional supplement brand trusted by doctors since 1993. Nutramedics offers a variety of health bundles. Whether you want to support your immune system, improve your sleep, Promote joint comfort or detoxification support. Nutrameds has a health bundle right for you. The best part about Nutramedics, every year they donate a minimum of 50% of their profits to Christian charities and missions. That's right, fifty percent of their profits. Nutrameds has a goal of surpassing one hundred million in giving by twenty thirty. Many of you take supplements already. Switch to Nutramedics. It's the highest quality, and they donate fifty percent of their profits. Get fifteen percent off by using the code ERIC during checkout. Go to Nutramedics.com and search health bundles, support your health while helping others in need. Go to Nutramedix, that's N-U-T-R-A-M-E-D-I-X.com, Nutramedix.com, use the code ERIC for 15% off. Again, Nutramedix, N-U-T-R-A-M-E-D-I-X.com, Nutramedix.com, use the code ERIC for 15% off. <music> Folks, we are talking about... Matthew Henry, a giant uh, in the world of Bible commentary. I really can't think of anybody uh, upon whose shoulders he stands in terms of Bible commentary, but uh, everybody in Bible commentary stands on the shoulders of Matthew Henry. Um, You you mentioned, Michael Wing, that uh, you had read a biography about uh, Matthew Henry. What was the biography that you uh, read, and when did it come out?
2: actually uh, not formally published it was the writings of contemporaries so i had to do a fair amount of research i think my legal background helped out in trying to to do that Uh, it was a a basically a book that talked about uh, important theologians over time and it was one person's dissertation uh, in seminary that had done that on on that note i just want to say one thing real quick Uh, you'd mentioned uh, bonhoeffer before one of my heroes and of course the cost of discipleship uh, it's was one of my favorite books. I, I loved your book on Bonhoeffer. It uh, it was a great book. And I and I think uh, Bonhoeffer had it right then and he's got it right now. The Cost of Discipleship, uh, his key phrase was cheap grace. And unfortunately, I think in our, our society today, uh, we make grace too cheap. We don't understand or appreciate the cost of discipleship. And I, I really applaud you and thank you for the great work you did on on Bonhoeffer, and, and your latest book, Letter to the Church, I thought it was great also. So uh, well, I think Matthew Henry would have enjoyed your book.
1: That's, that's very kind of you. I, I have to say, I mean, Bonhoeffer really, for him it was a revelation. When he came to New York, and people who know my, uh, my book on Bonhoeffer know that th- there was this moment in his life, he comes to New York in 1930, and he is just bowled over by the Abyssinian Baptist Church in Harlem, because what he sees there, he does not see in the, at that point, uh, increasingly liberal mainline Protestant white churches. He he doesn't see faith in action, but when he goes up to Harlem to Abyssinian Baptist Church, he he sees that their faith is, uh, it's not merely much more vibrant on Sundays, but all through the week, it, it was just lived out in every single sphere, including the political. And this is, you know, what I keep talking about is that you, you can't put boundaries on your faith. If you see uh, in Bonhoeffer's day in the black church uh, in, in Harlem, Abyssinian Baptist Church, they were um, constantly— mentioning the lynchings in the South. They didn't say, oh, we don't want to get political or we don't want to, you know, they just said, this is a moral issue. We have a moral obligation um, to talk about what are God's values in the, in this world. Uh, and so, of course, Bonhoeffer, when he goes back to Germany, realizes I have a moral obligation. And no, not just I, every Christian in Germany has a moral obligation to speak out against the evil rising all around us. But there were so many Germans at the time who were, who were, Stymied in a sense, they had this idea that, well, we're not supposed to go out of our theological lane. And you realize that's simply unbiblical. Theologic, I mean, biblically, we're supposed to, uh, if our theology is right, it pulls us out of the merely theological into every single sphere. And so you say Matthew Henry talks about operationalizing, or is that your term or Matthew Henry's term about operationalizing our faith?
2: It's my term. I was going to say, it doesn't sound like a 17th century term, no. Yeah, I think he would... uh, He'd think he would uh, agree with that term. And, and I think the great thing about Bonhoeffer was his faith. He was a brilliant theologian in the white ivory tower, so to speak. And as he comes to New York and he sees that, my word again, operationalized faith, that's what transformed him when he goes back to Nazi Germany. And he, he's, he says, okay, now we've got to teach a lot of pastors. And he does the, the shadow church, the church that was illegal by teaching a lot of pastors so that they in turn could be meeting with people in their homes. And he... He uh, was—I looked uh, at some of Bonhoeffer's work, and he does mention Matthew Henry in in some of his writings uh, when he was doing his theological work. He did not use the word operationalize, but he he referenced the fact that the faith must be real. We cannot stay in—and expect people's lives to be transformed. And. Matthew Henry was referenced by Dietrich Bonhoeffer a few times about the importance of faith being real, faith being something that transforms people's lives. And that was part of the thing I think that moved Bonhoeffer to his movement to try and eliminate Hitler and some of the other things that he did is he then operationalized uh, his faith as well. And I think that's the key is we, we don't wanna be Sunday Christians, we need to be seven days a week Christians. And what I found, and to this day, I mean, I, I, I love Matthew Henry's insight, his wisdom, is that I, the, the book that Victoria and I wrote is it, fun to read because I, I pick it up on a daily basis. And there's not a page that doesn't have pearls of wisdom and insight. You know what? I, I can operationalize that today. I, I can practice my faith, not go Sunday to be entertained, but I can take my faith and I can make a difference in people's lives today by how I live and my commitment to Christ. And I think that is so sorely needed today. I think the church in many respects, along the lines of some of what you wrote in your last book, Letter to the Church, American Church, is our faith is conspicuously absent in terms of being operationalized and making a difference. We're we're not making the difference. So what I loved about Matthew Henry is, you know, the great thing about the truths of the Bible, it's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, as the writer of Hebrews tells us. And That's a wonderful standard to operate by. Let's use the Bible as our baseline, our standard, our absolute source of truth. Matthew Henry helps us operationalize that on daily life.
1: Well, we're going to have to leave it there. But what a fascinating introduction to Matthew Henry. The book is The Wisdom and Insight of Matthew Henry, Helping Modern Christians Strengthen Their Walk with God. By Michael Wing and Victoria Junkins. Michael Wing, thank you for being my guest and thanks for writing this book. Thank you. Nice to be with you, Eric. There's no better example of the church staying silent than during the recent COVID 19 pandemic. This is our battlefield. Churches were deemed non essential we'll while strip clubs remained open. What was happening? It's our destiny. Mike Lindell and my pillow employees want to thank my listeners for all your continued support. To thank you, they're having an overstock clearance sale right now for the best prices ever when you use promo code ERIC and you get free shipping for the entire order. Get 50% off. The MyPillow 2.0 and the brand-new flannel sheets that just arrived and won't last long. Get six-pack towel sets for only $29.98 and take advantage of the free shipping on larger items like mattresses and mattress toppers. 100% made in the USA on sale for as low as $99.99. Everything is on sale from the brand-new kitchen towels that have the same technology as the bath towels that actually absorb dog beds, blankets, couch pillows, and so much more. To get the best specials ever, go to MyPillow.com, use promo code ERIC, Again, mypillow.com. Use promo code Eric. Remember, you get free shipping on your entire order. You can call 800 978 3057. 800 978 3057. Use promo code Eric. The joy of talking to Albin Sadar. Yes. Uh, Albin, I understand you have a new book out. I understand I wrote the foreword. Yes, you did. In fact, you wrote the foreword, and I said, Oh no, now I've got to write a book around yeah, this thing. Yes, that's, oh. that's what happens. That's what happens. That's what happens. You me to write a forward. I do it. Now the like, book is on you. I was joking, Eric. I just. I... But there's the, the book, we've talked about it before, but your your writing is very readable. That is a big deal, folks. As a writer, I want to tell you, uh, writing in a readable way uh, that makes people want to read it. Because how many books do you have sitting around your house that you intend to read them, but they're just not that readable? I know, and and I wrote
0: a whole series of books called Hamster Homes from Simon and Schuster, and I I knocked those things out in an hour or so to write the stories. But this one, I am not, I I sweated over this thing, and you know it, Eric. You write book after book after book, and you're just killing yourself day in and day out, trying trying to get it right. And this is like uh, 250 pages, the fourth part of it. There's four parts. The last part is all about the stolen election, and if you still aren't convinced, you'll read it and say, of course it was stolen. It's obvious. And that's my number one reason why it was stolen. It's obvious. It was right in front of your face, folks. Well, we have to also,
1: I think, part of fighting is speaking truth. Yes. So if you can't speak the truth, uh, you're not going to be able to do much about And
0: This will help you do it in a whimsical way. So you need to
1: say, uh, yeah, it looks like the election was stolen. Yep, it looks like Bruce Jenner uh, is still a man. Yep. Uh, Yep, uh, it looks like they're only... Two sexes. And, yep, uh, it looks like this administration uh, is trying to destroy America, is uh, deliberately keeping the border open so evil people can come in along with the good people. A lot of evil people are sneaking in. This is all common sense, folks. It is. And I think that we have to part of what we want to do on this program is encourage people to speak the truth. Be a part of the solution by speaking the truth. Yeah,
0: and I, I, we were talking about some of the bad guys in the administration. I want to mention specifically Merrick Garland. Now, if you remember, Merrick Garland was first introduced to the uh, national stage, as it were, by Barack Obama. He wanted him to be a Supreme Court justice and stay on there as one of the nine for the rest of his life. And, of course, they held off until the election, which was fortunate. But who gets shoved in there once, uh, w- once they get a chance? They bring in Merrick Garland as the uh, what's he, attorney, attorney, general. attorney general, right? And the thing that gets me about Merrick Garland, every time I see him testifying or something like that, he looks like he's on the verge. To cr- ready to cry like he's he's got this weepy look on his face and it's like i think this was a guy that in in high school he was probably tormented or something whatever because he just looks like he's kind of a wimpy guy but he's got the power now and he's getting back at all those people that were they thought they were so good or righteous or whatever i don't know this guy I, cannot be trusted like the rest of the administration but watch out for weepy merrick
1: garland if well you ask I, me. I think there I, again i i i keep saying it i think there are a lot of people that are waking up and, you know, folks, I, 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 I want to say this often, too, that we're all different. So some people are combative and, and can argue. I don't like to argue. I mean, I like yeah. to say what I say in this program, but I don't like to argue with people who disagree with me. But what I try to do on social media is share things. Yes. Share things. Now, that can get you in trouble. Good. If you're not losing some friends with what you're sharing on social media, uh, why are you even on social media? You need to put... Good examples of the truth. And, you know, you can share this program. Actually, I say this. Uh, please go to ericmetaxas.com. Sign up for the newsletter. We send these videos out. And you can just share them. And I ask you, I beg you to share these videos uh, on social media. You've got to flood the uh, the, the social media space with the truth because there are tons of people that are on the fence they've never heard this stuff before they're living in a little bubble where all their friends voted for George McGovern for example <laughs> yeah all their friends think just the way Gu- they guilty. do guilty okay right <laughs> yeah yeah you didn't vote for George McGovern I did. That was oh, when he was you're run- kidding! Yeah,
0: who was he running against? Again? Nixon. Of course. Yeah. Well, I was a, I was a liberal. I'll tell you when and when I changed. Roe versus Wade changed me. That was the other time I knew something was obviously wrong in this country. I was a I was a sophomore in college and Roe versus Wade came Wade came down and so I said You flipped in a year. I, I I just flipped. I said, "Wait a minute. I'm 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 not a liberal. I'm not a guy on the left." In fact, when I left college in 1976, I said to a friend of mine, "You know the number one thing and this is in my book by the way, obvious. The number one thing that people on the left hate, number one, is free speech. I said this back in 1976, back in western Pennsylvania, a conservative kind of area, And 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 that's true. And look what where it's gotten us. You cannot talk. You will be canceled. But Roe versus Wade, I said it's obvious that we're talking about a life. We're not talking about choice. This is a a life. The focus seems to be a well. Does does a woman have a a choice about her body? You know that's what the that's what happened. Our bodies ourselves had indoctrinated a lot of young women, and it was like. We can even go as far as taking that human life. And now it's like live birth abortion. Yep, that's on the table, folks. Oh, it's,
1: it's, is it a life? I don't know. It it is, it's it's it a life. Is, it is unbelievable. Well, again, I guess I, I want to say, you know, as we're talking here, not everybody um, has a radio show. Not everybody has uh, the ability to write books. Not everybody has the ability um, even to articulate things. But you do have the ability to forward or to post uh, those who do, yeah. And so on this program, we have all kinds of guests on this program, and I want to say to you that all these videos, uh, if you uh, if you get the newsletter, EricMataxis com, we send you all the videos, and you can just you know click on the link and forward this. If you're doing that, folks, you're you're, you're helping because we um you know we have a limited reach, right? Uh, I don't care who you are, your your reach is not infinite. But we have a limited reach on this program. So you may think, oh, everybody's listening to this. But I want to tell you that um, there are a lot of busy people that that they don't have time to listen to the radio. They don't have time to listen to the podcast. If you find something that seems particularly compelling, uh, please post it on social media. That is really something you can do because people always say to me, Eric, what can I do? What can I do? I want to be real clear. That is one of the main things that you can do yeah. to share things that you think will help people process what we're going through. Um, Alvin, yeah. any final thoughts? Well, yeah.
0: For example, the cartoon that appeared uh, on Sunday, uh, well, whatever, whatever it was, um, it, it uh, about the insurrectionists. It's the velvet rope insurrectionists is a nice cartoon that that's, that gets the point across right there in just a picture. These guys are supposed to be violent and they're walking in between the velvet rope, between ropes. the
1: velvet rope. So you've I mean, got to go to American Thinker dot com, yes. American dot com and share that cartoon and for share example. the cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. By Simon De Hundehutte. Oh yeah. I guy. think I know who that is. Yeah. Simon De Hundehutte, the cartoon he at American, you twenty dollars. At AmericanThinker dot com. Alvin, thank you for being my guest. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, I want to mention Socrates Plus. Now, I think I said this yesterday, but this is, it's a new digital streaming platform that we have launched, SocratesInTheCityPlus.com, SocratesInTheCityPlus.com. If you want to see anything in the future of Socrates in the City, you have to be a member of Socrates Plus. So it's like $5 a month. If you do it for the year, you get two months free. Um but we've got a lot of upcoming events and all the live streams will be unavailable unless you're a member of Socrates Plus. If you're a member of Socrates Plus, it's free. So, so the live stream that you know
2: that was set up in the last year or so, which yeah. was a new feature. Yeah. Uh that cost was what, ten bucks, something like that?
1: Well, yeah. We we were charged ten dollars. And by the way, that was, that was a, insanely a cheap. Right. So but, But that's no longer available unless you you now have to be a member of Socrates Plus to watch the Socrates events. And we got a lot of Socrates events coming up. And I want to mention uh, February 8th in Seattle, we have a Socrates event. I can't believe it's coming up so quick. February 8th in Seattle, Socrates in the City event with John West. We're talking C.S. Lewis, scientism. Very, very excited to have John West. He's uh, the head of the Discovery Institute and um the discovery institute they're they're the greatest like yeah, half yeah. of my socrates guests come from the discovery yeah. institute they've been on this program but that event is happening in seattle now by the way if you're in the seattle area or can get there you want to be there in person it's it's a, it's it's very very um special to be there in person but most people can't get there and if you want to watch it live you have to go to socratesincityplus.com and sign up so i want to be very clear that we're shifting things now yeah. so that we're, we're getting with the times to act right to access most of the content. And we have filmed an entire season already of Socrates in the studio. Yeah. And those are basically Socrates in the city conversations without the audience of 250 people. Um, we just aired, well, we put them all out, but um, some of, you know, uh, the guests that, that we have in this first season, we have Andrew Claven. Uh, we have Margarita Mooney talking about beauty. Wonderful, wonderful conversation. Hadley arkus Hadley Arcus, again, one of the greatest legal minds ever. I mean, he's, he's a genius. Uh, he taught at Amherst for 50 years, but also very delightful to, and fun to talk to. Yeah. So we had a conversation about natural law. You, you get a real education, frankly. Socrates and City is about the life of the mind so I guess I say this to people, and I might as well say it here, when people ask me, well, what's, what's Socrates in City? What is this stuff? A big part of it is the life of the mind, that, you know, you graduate college and you want to continue to be living in the world of ideas and, and you know, thinking and exploring truth. Uh, and, and that's what Socrates uh, Plus will enable you to do because we're going to have way more. We used to just, you know... Do an event now and again, but we've now filmed an entire season of Socrates in the studio. So you got Socrates in the city events, you got Socrates in the studio events, and then we have a number of other programs. When you go to Socrates Plus, you'll see the other programs. The one that I'm most excited about is a gentleman's guide. Yeah. It's gonna freak you out, yeah, people. It's, it's sort of like a, you know, the old Anthony Bourdain show, but it's you. It's way better than and, Anthony Bourdain. Uh, it's it's more the, the subject matter is about, you know, being a gentleman and how to do that. Something like that. Yeah. I don't know if I'm buying that. Well, you know, something like that. Well, it's 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 terrific. All right, so Uh check it out. Uh, sign up. Sign your kids up. Letter to the Letter to the We need your help uh, in getting the word out. It is exciting. Free screenings available for churches only. It's, it's terrific.